Uh, this is day 11, I believe, now, and uh, we thank God for everyone. Uh, second week, one more week, and we'll be done. But not just done, as in done, but done in the sense that we open a new chapter yes, of revelation of who God is Amen. through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, it's been, it's been mind-boggling for me, to be honest with you. Uh, I have a hard time going home and going to sleep. Just, just thinking on and on and on of some of the things we share. And uh, last night for me, if I could pick a night from all the previous nights, had to be like a climax of some sort. And even then, we didn't finish, we didn't cover the, we didn't finish covering the whole thing. So today I was just struggling within myself. Do I move on to John chapter 11 or shall I finish John chapter 10? Back and forth and back and forth. By 3 p.m., I was so saturated. I said, I don't want to see, I, I, I closed my Bible, <laughs> put in all my resources. I, I said, let me just go lay down and just do something to take my mind away completely. Because I just want, uh, in, 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 how do I explain this? I just want to make sure that what we do is what God wants done. Yeah. And uh, so I told my wife, I said, I'm struggling. I don't know whether we should go forward or stay where we were. <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. So on the way here tonight, I resolved in my spirit that I'll do John 11 sufficient enough to come back and finish John chapter 10. So I walked in the office, and Jeff Anderson, you know, he just came to me and said, you owe me 20 minutes. I said, <laughs> I said what do you mean? What are you talking about? What 20 minutes? Then he said, 20 minutes from last night. I said, oh, I found that to be very, very interesting. So I said to him, I said, you're a prophet. You just gave direction. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that as it may, let's, let's just go forward here. Let's just, uh, uh, John 11, there, there's not much there. For, I mean, there's not much there for me. Uh, there is much. That's not what I, didn't, I don't mean it like that. But what I'm saying is that we can cover this in little time. Uh, and then come back and, uh, and do some other stuff. Amen? Ah. I just cannot emphasize enough. We just sang the song, How Great Thou Art. I've heard this song, we've sung it for what, 30, 40 years? But I'm not sure if you don't really know what Jesus did and how he did it and what he did it and the reason for which, if that song can really mean any meaning. All of a sudden, these songs have a whole lot of meaning for me. How great thou art. Why would God become a man? To become God again. That's what they did. Because the assignment could not be done otherwise. There was no other human being on the face of the universe that could have fulfilled that assignment and at the same time satisfying the judicial or the legality of the law. People die all the time. So that's not the issue. But how many people do we know who voluntarily saw death and submitted to it and they pick it back up and have life? I don't know anybody. Maybe you, maybe you guys do. Nobody. Not even those who died and were raised from the dead. They died again and that's the end of it for them. So this puts Jesus in a class by himself. There is no one else remotely close. The wisdom of God in looking at what man has done, I mean Adam, 
and understanding that he had to fulfill the legal requirements of the law. Man sinned, man must pay. So he had to package himself as a man. Because if man sinned and God paid, then it's fixed. It's rigged. And Satan could accuse him and say, you rigged it. Man sinned. God packaged himself as man. And in that platform, met the requirements and the penalty. And thereby redeeming you and I. And because of that, that death sentence no longer hangs upon us. Oh, my, 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 my. Incredible. Simply incredible. So when Philippians start start talking about God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, it's not just a statement. There's a reason for which Paul came to that conclusion. And my prayer is, as we journey, as we study, as we read, as we open ourselves to God, we begin to see through the eyes of God what Jesus really indeed meant. You can tell I'm having a struggle. And going forward, we're just being stuck at what Jesus did. And for all of us, whenever you really want to invoke the Spirit of God, maybe you're having a bad day, a hard day, uh, things are not going as well, if you just think back on what Jesus did and why he had to do it and how much love he had for you to have done it, it won't take long before you find yourself again. The power of that blood is a rallying point every time. Every time. John chapter 11 verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now notice. Notice that verse 3, right off the bat. First of all, two things really you need to notice. The message that went to Jesus was not a request for him to come and do something. It was simply a message giving him a status report. Lazarus is sick. They did not say come and heal him. They did not say send your word. They just said Lazarus is sick. Okay? But the next thing they said, behold, he whom you love. The qualifier there is not if Lazarus loved Jesus. My love for Jesus, your love for Jesus, on any given day, it's like my cell phone. You're driving on 316 with my cell phone. I'm talking to Shayu on the phone. Certain points, it's clear, it's crystal, you can hear the conversation, everything is fine, hunky-dory, half a block down, static, 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 cut off. So, if we look at the equation from my perspective, it's like my cell phone. Some days it works, some points it's accurate, other places it's clear, it's fine. But certain spots along the way, I drop the call. Certain points across my journey in my walk with Jesus, I don't love him quite as, quite as, as I did when I received that $10,000 check. When you get to your mailbox and the RS has sent you a letter for an audit. Bah! Jesus, where are you? <laughs> At that point, you are, not up, you are not sure. So the point here is, Mary and Martha approach Jesus from that which is constant. 
They didn't dare approach him from the fickle, inconsistency. Here today, gone tomorrow type love that we have for him. If they had gone to him and said, Lazarus, who loves you? He's sick. Uh. <laughs> Man, I don't know what Jesus, how Jesus would have responded. Because he knows what that love means. It's a fair weather love. When things are fine, you love me, I know. When I put food on your table, you love me. Give you a house, you love me. Have a nice car to drive, you love me. But the day you pray and I don't seem to answer in time, you're not sure. So they said, Lord, behold, him whom you love is sick. And they left it at that. Now, let me address that because I don't want us to think that every time we have a situation, we can or should, and we can or should just uh, give a status report and that will be sufficient. Remember, the time in question, Jesus was born under the law. Okay? So Martha and Mary do not have certain privileges that you and I have now. It is very important you recognize that. It's not as simple to say that if they say, please come and heal Lazarus, that they are wrong. They're not wrong. But the point I'm really making for you and I is, you have authority given to you by God himself to be able to place a demand on certain things and expect it to happen. So yes, we can give a status report. But beyond and above that, you have every right, based on what God's covenant has done, to make a demand upon your covenant right. Do you understand what the point I just made? You're going to have to know the wisdom. You're going to have to know the time to give a status report and the time to violently take by faith that which God has already obtained for you. All right. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, it's hot in this place. Just, is it just me? Okay, all right. I don't know why I even asked the question. <laughs> it's just me and Dr. Onofiak. We are the only ones that's hot. Everybody else is cold. Okay, all right. Praise God. Still, uh, Dr. I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> ah! This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Again, the emphasis. Telling us that God loved them. And I think it's very significant in this particular case, because Martha has had a bad rap. That she's just busy serving alone. She never sits at the seat of Jesus Christ. So if she doesn't know anything, she's carnal. Da, 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 da. She's, so, she's gotten such a bad rap. We compare Martha and Mary all the time. And Mary seemed, from our comparisons, to be the person who's more spiritual because she sits at the feet of Jesus and has that needful thing, even as Jesus quoted. However, divine inspiration here tells us that Jesus loved Martha. And her sister, she's not even named. Yeah. Folks, we don't understand this great thing. You see, because we would tend to think in a church setting, Mary is the one that leads praise and worship. She's the one that does the prayer. She's the one that usher. Ah, this Mary is too, she's too, she teaches. She's a Bible school teacher. She, she, Mary should, if, if, if there are special levels in heaven, Mary should be there. She's earned enough brownie points to get Jesus' attention. She sits at his feet. 
But here Jesus makes the announcement himself. He loved who? Martha. Oh, and uh, uh, a sister. Okay, a sister. Just so you understand that your works, your performance does not affect one iota God's measurement and love for you. None of that counts. You cannot work hard enough to earn his love. If that is true, the opposite is also true. You cannot be bad enough to lose his love. This is what makes this thing so... I don't know if it's, it's... It's really not complex. We are the ones that made it complex. It's our head. You're right. We're the ones that make it complex. Because as a human being, in dealing with my wife, if I don't do certain things, there's a way she will show me that I have not done those things. Hello? There are certain ways she will... Know, she, I mean, you talk, you say, how are you doing? What's going on? Without reading a, 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 a commentary, I will know immediately something's not right. <laughs> and it's vice versa. It's not just from her to me, it's from me to her as well. If she's not earned certain branding points, ah, we will see. <laughs> so, unfortunately, for all of us as human beings, we bring that relationship. And we now bring it to God. And we try to create God in our own image. Yes. In our own expectation. And so every time we are reading, we are reading into the scriptures. We are reading it because that's, uh, that's where we are. Amen? Man, this is, this is <laughs> it's, it's liberating for me. Now, you, you, anyway, let me leave, let me leave right now. Verse 6. So, when he had when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus, what is wrong with you? This is the place they almost stoned you the other day. You want to go back there? Verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles. Because the light is not in him. Okay. So here Jesus is trying to answer the question about why is he going to go back to Judea. Because in Judea, there was, there's an APB out for him. All points bulletin. You find him, arrest him, bring him in. We're tired of this guy. It's made our life so miserable. We need to put an end to this. So they're trying to dissuade him from making the move and going to Judea. So he says to them, listen, are there not 12 hours in a day? In other words, do what you have to do while it is day. Because the night cometh when no man can walk. Now, understand the context. Back in the day, they did not have night shifts. Back in the day, Alex did not have to go to work at night. There are no electricity. There are no street lights. There's no electric model. Everything was done based on God's natural resources, sunlight. So Jesus is saying there's only 12 hours in the day. 
After 12 hours, even if you have more energy, you have more work to do, you have to put it aside. You can't do anything. It's too dark. It's dark. So the point here being, while you are able to do everything you can right now, in your season, in your time, in your hour, don't let the day end and owing time an assignment. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard what I just said. Don't let the day end and owing time an assignment. Okay? That's number one. Number two, you need to see something. You, you really need to, uh, to appreciate uh, what Jesus was trying to say to them. The night cometh when no man can walk. And then, okay, let me just read the next verse. Uh, what's the next verse there? Verse 11. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Okay? So he delays his going. He did not go right away. And the point here for all of us is to understand that Jesus is not on our agenda. He does not operate based on our timeline. I, I don't think you really get it. Okay? Let me, let me back up. John chapter 2 at Cana of Galilee. The mother came to him, Jesus, they have no wine. What was her expectation? That Jesus would move and do something. What was Jesus' reply? My hour is not yet. Jesus saying to her, what I'm going to do, I will do, but not because you say it. John chapter 4, the nobleman whose son was sick came to Jesus and begged him, please come to my house. My son is sick, he needs to heal it. Jesus said, your son lives, go back home. Now, the man's expectation was that Jesus was going to go, come with him, right? But Jesus did what he had to do, but not based on the man's expectation. John chapter 5, the man at the pool of Bethesda did not even ask Jesus anything. Jesus found him laying there. He's been there for 38 years. And he says to him, will that be made whole? The man began his grammar. Oh, you don't understand. Yeah, uh, the water moves, the angel moves the water, and the first person that gets in there gets healed. I have no man to help me. This man just went on a tangent. Jesus almost ignored his tangent and did what he had to do. So whose agenda was he following? The man's or himself? On and on and on. And what's, what's the point? Why am I saying this? Because here now in this passage, Martha and Mary send a message to Jesus. Your, son, your friend, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. They didn't say it, but the expectation, the expectation is, your friend is sick, please be on your way to come and do something about it. Deliberately, he stayed two more days. Why? Because he only runs an errand for his father, not for his friend. He's only the servant of God. So for two days, he deliberately parks, sits down there, Sending a message to both Mary and Martha and to me and you today. We may ask, we may petition, we may pray, he will move, but his moving will not be by your prescription. So that you and I cannot come out and write a formula, the 10 steps of how Jesus moves. Because the 10 steps he used to move for Greg may not be the 10 steps he's going to use to move for Jeff, may not be the 10 steps he's going to use to move for Derek. He may decide for Derek to do two steps instead of your ten. So he parks. We need to understand these things when we are praying. We need to understand this in where we have need. Don't, we can't put God in a box. He promises to deliver us. 
He just did not tell you how he's going to do it. Amen? Okay. All right. Let's move on. Ah, okay, okay. I just saw something I wrote down here. So, so, so why does God do this? It's almost like he's playing game with us. Why does he delay? Why does he not answer instantly sometimes? And sometimes why does he do so? If you remember last night, the lamb whose leg is broken, you need to understand something about God now. The essence and the only primary reason for praying and existing or having eternal life is relationship. That's it. it that's, that's, that's the overarching desire in his heart to commune and fellowship with those that he loves. I mean, look at yourself. When you love someone, don't you want to spend time with them? Can you ever get enough of them? You need to understand God's, if I can use the word, God's problem. The problem that he loves us. And we are preoccupied with everything but himself. He's lovesick, you all. I mean, that's, 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 that's the position he's in. I was just, I don't know who I was talking to. And I was, used, I was just thinking about what I said last night about the broken leg in the lamb and how the shepherd had to pick up that young lamb on his neck and thereby fostering intimacy and relationship and bonding. And as I went home, he just came to me. My grandson there, Joseph, is an object lesson for me. My wife spends a lot of time with him, keeping him, helping to watch over him, and so does faith. And when they bring him to my house, I mean, soon as he's dropped in my house, wraps around my wife, I go over there try to play with him. Listen, me watch. I'm still struggling, trying to get his attention. Faith comes by. He reaches out to faith and grabs faith. Yeah. On top of that, the mother's been at work all day. Comes to my house to pick him up after work. He's been loving, dubbing with my wife all day, Joseph that is. Immediately he hears his mother's voice at the door. His attention shifts. I mean, clearly. And then when she walks in the room, He's already reaching out, trying to leave my wife to go grab the mother. I said, wait a minute. What's, 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 what's going on here? It's called bonding. Even as, at that tender age, yes. he's used to his mother. Yes. The cuddling, the nurturing, yes. the love that he did not have to earn. Yes. When he's crying, when he's feeding, all of that. So there could be a thousand of us here. He recognizes his mother. With no sweat. I love him, but he has not sensed that yet. So even though I'm in the room with him, hmm, one of these days I will recognize him, but for right now, dude, you're not on the radar. That's exactly what God is looking for. In those times when we are hurting, going to him, let him cuddle us, nurture us, bless us, nurse us. That's the reason for the delay. Lazarus, your friend is sick. I'm going to wait two more days. Why, Mary and Martha? Because I want you guys to appreciate. I want you guys to be in a posture, attitude of expectation, attitude and posture of intimacy, longing, yearning to see me. If he showed up the minute they had the need, there's no, there's no longing for his appearing. Ooh. 
But by waiting, what happens when you're waiting? There's an expectation. Any moment. It, it, it's almost, almost here. How long does it take? Let me call. Where, how far have you been? How, how far down the road are you? You have an expectation. That's what the delay does. Does. The delay is not to push you back and reject you and say, no, you, don't, you are not deserving. No. The delay is to bring you closer. God, oh, Father, I'm in the push of waiting. I thank you. I know you are coming. How much? And all of that interaction begins to work in dynamics between you and God. Between you and God. The deep call upon the deep. Back and forth and back and forth. You get closer and closer and closer and closer. And it becomes bigger and bigger, yes. mightier and mightier and mightier. Yes. You have better, better appreciation. Yes. So your delay is not a denial. It's just a period in which God wants you to get closer to him. He said, well, pastor, I'm already close. Good, I know you're already close. Get closer. Yes. So I'm closer. Well, get more closer. Yes, Until you become like Enoch. Who walked with God? And God said, you know what? Listen, even this in terms of going back and forth, I'll just take you. And it was not. And he had a testimony that he pleased God. That's what he's after. Okay. Verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. First of all, it's it's very interesting that he first told them that he's asleep. He's asleep. Chill. Don't worry. He's asleep. And this reminds me of a story I read. This is crazy. Very crazy. In Tennessee, years ago. True story. Believers. The mother died in the house. And these believers who believed literally the scriptures and believed God for a resurrection. You know what they did? They put a dead body in a room for 12 weeks. And every day praying, washing the body down, and spraying Lysol. Because they expected that the person was raised for the dead. For 12 weeks. True story. In this great United States of America, needless to say, neighbors caught a wind <laughs> of what was happening. <laughs> you get that? They caught a wind of it and called the authorities and several people were prosecuted for that situation. I think that happened in the 90s. Yeah. So don't go and do something crazy like that. If God has not spoken about it, don't do it. Twelve weeks is a long time. But Jesus said here that that Lazarus sleeps. Why? He had such confidence that for a believer, death is like sleep. But not only that, in his ability to raise him back up. But the guys were not getting the message, so finally he says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, don't miss that. Who came to tell him that Lazarus went beyond being sick and died. Because the only message he received was that he's sick. Without any further update, no text, no Twitter, nothing, he just said, you know what? The man is dead. Thereby letting us know he's God. I do not know how anybody can argue with this plain, simple, clear scriptures. He's dead. So he said, well, let's go. Let's read on. Look at verse 15. If you are not spirit-filled, you're going to think Jesus is a devil. <laughs> he said, and I'm glad for your sex that I was not there, that you may believe. 
Nevertheless, let us go to him. Listen, don't put anything past God just to get you to believe. First, it tells them Lazarus is dead. He said, and for your sakes, I'm glad. What? Everybody in Lazarus' household is wailing, weeping, crying. Yeah, Lazarus. Lazarus. I don't know what they call him. Maybe Lazarus or whatever the, the nickname they get. Lazarus is gone. Yeah, help us. Oh, please, Lazarus. Ah, Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus. Everybody's wailing, crying because in the Jewish system, in fact, the wailing and the deep mourning was part of the system. It's part of the honor. They have various levels of mourning. The first three days has to be deep. You have to be crying, sobbing, and almost hitting the ground and rolling. The more you do that, the more honor and respect you gain to the dead. Now, after three days, it lights up a little bit, but you still must cry seriously. I'm sharing that with you because you must understand the background. So this is the atmosphere going on and Jesus said, I'm glad. Everybody, nobody had a dry face on their their, their face. And Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes. So can you imagine that atmosphere? He walks into a room, he's glad everybody's sad. And they're crying. But there's a reason for his gladness. He can see the bigger picture. He can see beyond the moment. He understands that right there and then, I am has entered the situation. Amen. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. There is no dead that can stay dead before his presence if he chooses to bring that thing back, back to life. Yes. He understands that. So he knew something they did not know. And for that reason, he said, I was glad. Well, why was he glad? Jesus, why are you glad? He was glad. Because had he just healed the sick, like he has done before, it would be no ordinary, it would be no big deal. No big deal. But by making it worse, and he still gave a fix for it, it became greater. How much worse is your situation from last month? Perhaps the situation got worsened so that the medical can be greater. Perhaps things got bad, and you, you thought it was bad, now it's worse. Listen, we've been through, in fact, Jeff just shared some things with him tonight. I can't share them now, ministry-wise. That confirms what I'm saying. Where you pray, and it looks like things just got worse for a moment. Don't take your eyes off the mark. Don't entertain one iota of doubt because you've not seen the result. It's the enemy trying to steal your seed from the ground. The Bible said it, we read it last Sunday. No, if any man will say to this mountain and do not doubt in his heart. You see, the doubt are the seeds or the tears that the enemy is sowing in your field to steal your harvest. You have to fight it and take a stand and take a position. It's 830. It's 830. It's 830. It's 830. It's 830. Stay tuned. We'll pick it up tomorrow night.